Awesome, awesome, awesome. Great worship. Uh, I like the word today. It's a little more instructional. Um, I, I like what Jesus does. And I told the first service, probably should have held the, the worship for after the teaching because all those songs go so well with what, uh, with what we're going to talk about today. Uh, we're in the series of prayer, Pray Without Ceasing. And so it's important to pray. Uh, we know that. Uh, and, I, and I would say, like I did last week, prayer is an equalizer. There's a lot of things that you can do that I can't. There might be a few things that I can do that you can't, but we can all pray. We can all offer prayers to the Lord. And so uh, we can all talk to God. Prayer is just communication. Prayer is talking to God. And we don't have to, like how Marcus ended last week's service, we don't have to pray King James Version. It doesn't have to be a real liturgical prayer. It doesn't have to be a bunch of these and thous. You can just take your needs to God in prayer. Technically, we would pray to Jesus, all right? We pray to the Father, but we pray in Jesus' name. So our prayers are to the Lord. And then Jesus, Paul says, sits at the right hand of the Father. The right hand is the power position, all right? So there's a right hand of authority. So we pray to Jesus. He takes our prayers to the Father. Also, the Scripture says that the 24 elders would make intercession for us, and then those prayers are poured out in vials before the Lord so that he can answer them, all right? So Jesus is the chief intercessor. We pray to him. I know different denominations might pray different ways through different people. We believe that you just take your prayer right to Jesus. He takes it to the throne room of grace for us. We can also go boldly to the throne room of grace. That's where Jesus sits. So he takes our prayers there. So in praying, it's not complicated. It's, it's very simple. It's just there's a, uh, there's a dedication to prayer. And so I've prayed Oh, the better part of my whole life. And as I became a, in a relationship with Jesus, I've prayed probably the last 40 or 42 years uh, early in the morning. I've prayed at 5 in the morning, 6 in the morning. Lately, I pray at 3 in the morning. Lately, I say about the last 8 years or so. So my prayer time is early in the morning. Some people's prayer time can be at 10 o'clock in the morning. Some people might pray when they go to bed at night. It doesn't matter when you pray. It just matters that you pray. The scripture that I give you today out of Matthew 14 gives us five different things that Jesus shows us a pattern, all right? So not really a formula, so to speak, but just kind of a pattern of what does happen when we pray. It's a powerful scripture, and it's a, it's a real uh, difficult day in Jesus' life. How many have di had difficult days in your life before? We all have, every, every person here. And some uh, difficulty is relevant, right? What may be really extremely difficult for one person may be a normal day for other people. You know, we, we see people in third world countries that are uh, like Haiti. We have a passion for Haiti. Of course, we support an orphanage over there. Uh, gang violence, uh, gangs have taken over the police department, uh, government control, they're advising a uh, U.S. citizens not to go there. They're emptying the embassy. I mean, so just waking up in Haiti uh, can be gang warfare. Janie's uh, grandfather, Jesse uh, Sr., what a great guy, loved Gramps. Well, he sold everything at 78 and moved to Africa where he got bed sores and malaria. Six months over there, they basically they had to fly him home on a stretcher, but they couldn't move him for six months. And then he moved uh, to Trinidad and Tobago and ministered there for six or eight or ten months. And then he finally came home and, and his, his life was just drained and, and he died. Um, but 
telling or hearing some of the stories of, of Kenya and hearing some of the stories of Trinidad, you see that in America, we're really blessed. We're blessed, but we're also responsible, okay? We have to be responsible for the things that the Lord's given us with. Well, part of that responsibility is us praying, praying for other nations, praying for other states like we did for uh, Hawaii, like we should for Haiti and all the other states in the union, praying for our government, praying for spiritual leaders. The Bible says, Paul speaking, that when we pray for other people, those in authority over us, both uh, physical, governmental, spiritual, that then becomes well with us. It also says that if we get along with our spouses, if you're married, that we, in getting along with our spouse, First Peter says, that then our prayers would be answered. So there's things that the enemy tries to do that will negate our prayers, okay? Sometimes our prayers go up. Jesus says if we pray but don't have forgiveness in our heart for someone who's done wrong against us, we're better off just leaving our gift or our prayer at the altar and going making things right because it's no good otherwise. And so we have to understand that there's some ingredients to prayer that are more than just praying, okay? We have to walk in forgiveness. We have to walk in love. We have to really pray for other people before we pray for our needs first. So this this series will be about prayer. Today's message is going to be about Jesus and how he handled a difficult day in his life. So let's pray because I might do this one a little bit differently than we did with the first one. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word. We pray just opens, Lord, just opens uh, your word to our heart, uh, Lord, and to our mind and to our strength. Help us, show us, Lord, lead us on how to pray, Lord, Father, Lord, that we would understand the, the, the authority that you've given us. In Jesus' name we pray, and the church said, amen. Uh, Kurt, I think I'll read and then I'll stop along the way with some of those points, like those five points we'll stop and hit. Uh, thank you for, for following me and allowing me that. All right, so immediately he made, now Jesus, all right, let's, let's give a precursor. So this, this one day, Jesus loses maybe his best friend, uh, and, 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 and childhood friend, cousin, John the Baptist. So John gets beheaded earlier this day, and Jesus finds out about it. They're six months apart in age. John's filled with the Holy Spirit before he's born. Uh, Jesus and him connect really well, and John is the go-before, right? He's the forerunner, and John's like hardcore. Like, like we kind of think Jesus is hardcore. John's the hardcore guy. Like, in our in our family, uh, we I don't think it's, if talking about the boys, Drew's really laid back, but Marcus is hardcore. Like, Mar- Marcus is, like, here's what the Bible says. We're going to do it. And this, no, how can you, you Papa? You got, he even gets on me sometimes. Chill, chill, dude. <laughs> Just step back a little bit. Papa's not even right. He's got a lot of his grandfather in him. Drew's got a lot of his father in him. I'm a little bit more. Now, listen, I'll never negotiate the gospel. I'll never negotiate the word. But I want to I I teach grace, all right? Marcus is truth and grace. Drew would be grace and truth. I would be grace and truth. Janie's a little bit more truth and grace. They're, it's good. It's a good compliment. I'm not saying there's anything wrong. I think John the Baptist was more truth and grace, and Jesus was a little bit more grace and truth. All right? You can think whatever you want. That's just my thought. John was hardcore, and John was a good, good guy, and he preached the word, and now he's beheaded. Like, a gruesome death. He, uh, Herod captivated, cap- captured him, and so he's in jail, and John sends out word to, to Jesus, hey, are you the one, or do we look for another one? 
And Jesus tells John's disciples, who later some of them became Jesus' disciples, says he's to tell them, you've seen the blind eyes open, the deaf ears to hear, the lame legs to walk, and the dead to have, have life again. Go tell them, yes, I'm the one. And so John's in prison, and don't you think for a moment that childhood friend, cousin, best friends, ministry co-laborer, that if he was going to get anybody out of prison, he would go get John. Don't you think that if he was going to stop anybody from a gruesome death of beheading, it would be John? I mean, come on, let's think this thing through for a moment. But see, it wasn't about John. It's always about the kingdom, and sometimes we make everything about ourselves. And I know that's hard and difficult, but it's really not about us. Could you point to somebody and say, it's not about you? Now say, it's not about me either. See, it's not about us. It's about the kingdom, right? It's about Jesus. And so this earlier this day, Jesus finds out that his best friend, his cousin, his lifelong servant of the Lord uh, dies at the early age of probably 31, 32. Herod chops his head off and serve, and they and they bring it to Herod on a platter. Just gross and disgusting. But that's truth. That's what happens. And so Jesus finds that out, and then while he's going away to pray, before he gets there, he's leading a multitude of 5,000 men and women and children, probably fifteen to 20,000 people that he's ministering to. And trust me on this, when you minister during the day, it drains you. There's draining. So Jesus is ministering to 20,000 people. He's getting very drained. I'm sure of it because he's all God and all man. And so now he's going to feed them, and as a test, he asks Philip and Andrew, hey, do you have any food? And Philip's like, we have no food? What are you talking about? 20,000 people. Trust me, Jane and I go to the grocery market on Saturdays for Sunday dinner. I'm glad we're only feeding 11. And every week I complain. <laughs> Jane says, stop it. The Lord will provide. <laughs> he does. 20,000 people. Here's a couple fish and some loaves. And Jesus says, I can work with that. You know the story. So he, he loses his cousin in a brutal murder. He feeds 20,000 people and ministers to them. And now we pick up the story. Immediately he, Jesus, made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he dismisses the crowd. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. So the number one, first thing you need to do is Jesus prayed. If Jesus prayed, we need to pray. Just write that down. I need to pray. I'm not going to tell you when to pray. I'm not going to tell you where to pray because the scriptures are clear that last week when I read, you can pray at all times. You can pray always. You can pray anywhere. You can pray in the church. You can pray in the home. You can pray in a prayer closet, which would be a special place or a private place. You can pray in your back patio. You can pray in the mountains. You can pray at the beach. You can pray in your car. But we need to pray. How many would agree, Pastor, we need to pray? Absolutely, 100%. We need to pray. We know this country needs prayer. We need our, our community needs 
needs prayer. We know people in our lives who need prayer because they've lost a loved one or they, they're going through a hard situation in their life. We need to pray. And prayer, listen, prayer is not the last thing. Like, that's all I can do now is pray. Pray should be the first thing. So Jesus goes up to this mountain and he prays. And he prays, he prays, a, a, he's praying for uh, probably in my, in my mind, in my heart, I think he's praying, Lord, get me through this day because it becomes real now. I mean, his cousin died, so now the clock is ticking. He understands, being all God, what he's going to go through, and there's a sense of mortality when you lose someone close to you. You lose a, a, a sibling. You lose a family member or a really close friend. You lose a parent. There's, there's, a, there's a sense of mortality here. Now, wait a second. Like, that person I grew up with, they're dead. They, they're, 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 they've gone home. All right, so now I, now I get that, but yet it's difficult, and the best way to get through that is to pray. In fact, praying has spurred on revivals for generations. They prayed in the upper room. 120 people prayed, and that's why the church is born today. This is why we're here in church. It's because 120 people went away at Christ's command, and they prayed, and they prayed for 10 days. We, we learn, we learn of, of stories and scripture on the, the New York City revival, the Philadelphia revival, the, uh, the, the Moravian revival, the, the, the revivals of Jane and I went to a monastery three years ago. I know, you say what you want. We went to a monastery, and we did a lock-in in St. Joseph, Missouri. And Janie didn't know it was a lock-in, and she wasn't sure it was a monastery. And, the, and when I showed up, she wanted to drop me off and go get a motel room and, and shop for two days. And, and that probably would have been good, too. But the monastery that we went to in St. Joseph, Missouri, uh, Conception Abbey, it was in the middle of a 140-year prayer meeting, 24-7, 365. These monks have had a monk pray the whole time. We call a prayer meeting, and we have five people show up. That doesn't work for me, Pastor. I can't make it. Okay. <laughs> well, don't talk about the monastery. And they were birthed out of a monastery that has a 900-year prayer meeting. 24-7-365. Yeah, but they're just a bunch of monks. They don't have anything else to do. Well, that might be true. But maybe the things that we're doing get in the way from the things that we should do. Are you with me? So I think we're, we're a little selfish in America on the pleasantries rather than the duties. Oh, are you sleeping on me? So everybody say amen just for just make, make sure I'm, just make sure I'm there. Even if it hurts, just say amen. <laughs> oh, amen, Pastor. See, it's, it's just about praying. It's, it's, about, it's about what Jesus, who came from heaven, if he had to pray, don't you think that we need to pray as well? I mean, if he prayed, we should pray. He's our great example of forgiveness and love and mercy and truth and grace, but he's also our great example of praying. And so it, we, need to, we need to pray. We need to find a place and a time to get on our knees before God and pray. We need to wear ourselves out praying rather than wear ourselves out worrying. Wear ourselves out in fear or wear ourselves out in, in just in, in anxiety. We need to wear ourselves out in praying because that's the one thing that will cure. God works through prayer. It's, it's not necessarily even that prayer works. It says that God works through prayer. 
And when we pray before the Lord with, 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 with a desire, great things will happen. Let's, let's move on. So he, when evening came, he was there alone, okay? But the boat by this time was a long way off, all right? They, and it was beaten by waves, and for their, the wind was against them. Let's move on. Uh, and in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. Let's stop right here for a second because the, the next word is passion. Now, because we read Scripture sometimes so quickly, we don't, we don't itemize each word. But if you'll catch this, and don't miss this, this is Jesus, Son of God, all right? I mean, he, he came from heaven. Grab that for a second. He left those guys in a boat and pushed off the boat. They went out to sea. These are professional fishermen. At least six of them were. The other six were tax collectors or religious zealots, political uh, activists, whatever. But at least six of them were professional fishermen. They're out at sea, the Sea of Galilee. It's, it, the winds are acting up. The storm's rising. Things are taking place. And, and Jesus went up at evening time, which in Zo Jewish culture would have been 6 p.m. So he goes up at evening time, and he's going to start praying. He comes down at the fourth watch, which is between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m. So Jesus is praying between 6 and 12 hours. Son of God like has a direct line with God, Jesus is praying between 6 and 12 hours. Now, I'm not telling you to pray that long, but church, if we don't pray, we're missing the boat. If we don't pray and ask God, we're responsible for our time. Like, hey, you had time for this? I, I don't want to stand in front of God and God say, Mark, you had time for this, 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 and this, but you had only this much time for me or, my pray or praying. And I think if we invert those two and the amount of time we spend doing whatever other activity or whatever other thing we're doing and make it a prayer time. And again, you can, you can pray in your car. You can pray on a boat. You can pray in many different ways. You can pray mowing your grass. You can pray. But you don't, I, if, we, if we pray the way Jesus did, then a passion starts to develop. And if that passion starts to develop like Jesus, 12 hours in prayer, yeah, but he came from heaven. That's the idea. That's exactly right. He came from heaven. He knows where he's going back to. We're taking it by faith. One of the faith ways we can take it is by praying passionately. When we pray passionately as unto the Lord, when we pray with a passion in our heart that says, all right, listen, you could work out at the gym but if you're not passionate about it, you're going to have more non-workout days than you do workout days. You can pray, you can be passionate about a diet. But the second my wife says, I'm hungry for ice cream, I'm in the car with the motor running. She don't have to say it twice. My hearing all of a sudden perks up. She said ice cream, I'm getting it. What kind do you want? It don't matter. You want store ice cream? You want it from Dairy Queen? Do you want Kilwins? Where there's a great place in Park City, we can fly out there and get some ice cream. I'm okay. I am very passionate about ice cream. You all know that. Maybe a little too passionate sometimes. Whatever we're passionate about, we do. We make time for. It becomes a priority in our lives. I, I feel like the Lord is instructing me to challenge you to become more passionate about prayer. And again, just so you know, prayer is just simply communicating with God. 
however you talk to your children, however you talk to your parents, however you talk to your spouses, however you talk to another person that you have a good relationship with, that's how God wants you to talk to, to him. That's it. It doesn't have to be. And if you're learning how to pray, grab a psalm. Pray Psalms 1. Pray Psalms 2. Pray Psalms 23. Pray Psalms 42. Pray Psalms 91. We prayed Psalms 91 for a year straight during COVID. Every morning, we prayed Psalms 91 over our kids, over our church, over each other. We believe, and it wasn't religious. It wasn't, it wasn't something that we were doing in vain repetition. We prayed it. We prayed it out of different translations. We prayed. So, so just pray a psalm and just believe God's going to move in that. He wrote the scriptures by the power of the Holy Spirit through men and women. So be passionate about that. But again, whatever you make time for, that becomes a priority in your life. So if you miss a workout or two workouts or three workouts, or if you decide chocolate chip cookies with ice cream after dinner this afternoon is a really good snack, just do it in moderation. <laughs> Moderation's good. Chocolate chip cookies are amazing with ice cream. Broccoli would be good with ice cream. I'm just telling you. No. What? Janie says no. <laughs> well, broccoli and then your dessert is ice cream. Passion. So listen, because he prayed, then the passion develops. And then after your passion, let's go to purpose, Kurt, and then I'll, so people can write it down, and then I'll read some scriptures and I'll clear. So then we, we end up with a purpose, all right? The purpose is Jesus then, the fourth watch of the night. He came to them, the end of verse 25, and he's walking on the sea. But his disciples saw him walking on the sea. They were terrified. And he said, it's a ghost. And they cried out in fear. So wait a second. There's two purposes here. One is Jesus is walking on water. Two, he's trying to convince his disciples, you don't have to be afraid. We've been singing it this morning. There, there is, you don't have to be afraid. You don't have to have that fear. You can, you can make sure that you're, you understand. And so this purpose here is Jesus is, always has a teaching moment. Everything Jesus does in scriptures, there's a teaching moment. What is this teaching moment? Not that he's walking on water. The teaching moment is that he has purpose. There's a, there's a passion here, and the purpose is he's got to teach these guys. If I'm going to give these guys the gospel to preach over the next 30 or 40 years, I can't have them afraid every time they turn around. There's got to be purpose in our life, and when we pray passionately, not necessarily out of emotion, but when we pray passionately for God to move, he gives us purpose. And that purpose can look different to everybody. That purpose can be different. That purpose can be full-time ministry. That person can be lay ministry. That person can be serving in the local church. And by the way, that's the greatest ministry there is, is just serving. Jesus is getting ready to die. He grabs a towel and a bowl of water, and he starts to wash the disciples' feet. And he said, what are you doing? He said, I'm washing your feet. When I got in this place, not one of you washed my feet. I'm teaching you how to be a good leader by being a good servant. In order to minister, we have to first serve, right? And then we, don't continue, we continue to serve after, time after time after time after time. And so when we learn that there's a purpose in our life, when we pray passionately, a purpose all of a sudden develops. Now this purpose is maybe is you changing course in life. Or maybe the purpose is you knowing that, hey, God's put me here for, this, for his plan and his purpose. Jeremiah 29, 11. I know the plans and purposes I have for you. But good plans, good things going to happen. And so we want to line up with God's purposes in our life. 
If we line up with God's purposes, we become very fulfilled. If we're not doing God's purposes, there's an empty spot in our life. That empty spot will always be empty until we figure out through prayer what God's plan is for us. That becomes our purpose. The purpose becomes God's plan. Let's, let's read on, Kurt, if we can. So then he says, but immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, take heart. We sang that song. Beautiful scripture out of John 16, 33. Take heart. It is I. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it's you, command me to come walk on the water. Let's stop there because then the next P is our peace. So we pray and we pray passionately and all of a sudden we get purpose. And because we have purpose, then we have peace. It may not make sense to anybody else, but I've got peace in the moment. I said this a while back. I said it during COVID and in COVID. Some of the things we did didn't make sense to a lot of people. We had peace about them. Some of it, we got criticized by this side and that side, but we had peace about it. When you do things and you know that you're fulfilling God's purposes in your life, as long as you have peace, it doesn't matter what anybody else says. It doesn't matter what anybody else does. As long as you have the peace. So listen, there's two stories here that you can't, that you can't confuse. One is another time in Scripture, Jesus is already on the boat, and the disciples wake him up. Remember? There's a storm coming. And these are professional fishermen. They're scared. So it's a big storm. I don't know if you got caught up in the storm last Monday night. Janie and I did, and, and the winds truly were 60 or 70 or 80 miles an hour. And things in our yard were just getting demolished and destroyed, and we were looking out thinking, oh, my goodness. And, uh, you know, I can imagine being on the sea and waves 12, 15, 20, 30 feet tall. These guys were scared. This wasn't just a little storm. This was a massive storm that blew through. And these guys, so when Jesus is on the boat, this time he's sleeping. They're like, why are you sleeping? How can you sleep through this? Janie does that to me sometimes. How can you sleep through this storm? Because Solomon said in Proverbs that anybody who works hard gets a good night's sleep. I have no problem sleeping. Maybe I work hard. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> no pointing of the finger. I'm just saying, if you work hard, you get a good night's sleep. You say you do, but you sleep poorly. <laughs> Anyways, they wake Jesus up. Aren't you afraid? Didn't like, no, aren't, aren't you afraid we're going to die? No, I'm not afraid you're going to die. Peace be still. But now, while he's walking on water, he doesn't calm the storm. See, sometimes Jesus will calm the storm, and sometimes Jesus calms us in the storm. Hear that. Sometimes Jesus will calm the storm, and that's really what we want. We don't really want him to calm us. We want him to calm the storm because it's easy for us. But sometimes, like in this case, he's just calming us in the storm. So he's walking on water, and Peter's like, man, if it's you, bid me to come, all right? But Jesus is giving us perfect peace even in the storm. And I know some of you have gone through the deepest, darkest storms of your whole life. Jesus is there to give you peace. That's what he does. It, it, it reminds me of uh, Judges, the sixth, the sixth chapter. Judges, the sixth chapter, um, Gideon. 
Gideon is by the wine press. Well, the wine press is down the mountain in the valley, and then uh, he's chapping the, uh, the wheat, and that should have been done on top of the mountain. But Gideon's a bit of a coward, and because he's a coward, he's going to do it down in the valley, only the problem is there's nowhere for the chaff to blow because he's not up on the mountain. If you're up on a mountain, the wind blows a lot more fierce than if you're in a valley. Sometimes you don't even know it's windy out. So he's chaffing the wheat, and it's just falling down. Then he's got to try to separate it, and then if he's on the mountain, the shaft's going to blow away, the wheat's going to fall, he's going to bundle it up. So he looks up, and there's a, a giant figure there, an angel of the Lord's army, the Bible calls him, and he says, hey, you mighty man of war, how you doing? And Gideon literally looks all the way around and says, well, who are you talking about? What do you mean, mighty man of war? I'm the least in my family, and my family's the least of all in all Israel. He said, no, man, you're the real deal. See, sometimes we just need somebody to speak life into us. And Gideon's like, no, I'm not. I, I'm afraid. If, if, all, if, if what you're saying is true, why are we running from the Midianites? And the angel of the Lord's army says, that's why I'm here, so that you can build an army. What are you talking about? I'm not even in the army. You want me to build an army? Yeah, I want you to build an army. So you know the story. He gets, he's going to build an army. But this, even before we get done with this chapter, he says, I got two things for you. Go build an army, which we know ahead of time that goes from 30,000 to 20,000 to 300, right? Because God wants to prove himself. And then he says, you need to go knock down all the Baal worship gods that these guys are worshiping. Well, that was even harder to do than, the, than building the army. So Gideon musters himself up, all right, and he goes over off to the side, and he makes an altar, and he makes the altar there, and he calls it Jehovah Shalom. First time in Scripture that we read Jehovah Shalom, the Lord is peace. He has peace before he goes to battle. He has peace before he knocks down the idols. He has peace before he goes and tells his family this crazy story. It's just like Peter getting out of the boat. Gideon goes and tells his family, hey, we're going to go to war. We're going to beat the Midianites. And oh, by the way, we're going to knock down all their idols. And they're going to stop harassing us. And God's in charge. God's on our side. you got to be crazy, Gideon. What in the world are you thinking? This is what peace does when people don't understand God's talk to you, but you can walk it out in peace. In that perfect storm, God gives you a peace that passes all understanding. It's perfect peace, but we don't get there just by happenstance. We get there by praying and earning a passion and learning a purpose, and all of a sudden peace comes when everybody else. I remember when we went into full-time ministry, my father-in-law thought we were crazy. He was a pastor. What are you guys doing? You're nuts. Mark, you're not giving up that job, are you? Yeah, I am. Where were you going to go? I'm not sure. God opened the door for us. Man, alive. And then we, we added on to our first church. We built a brand new auditorium. We, we sat there. The day of dedication, he, he sat down in the, in the lobby with me, and he, and he said, <laughs> which I didn't even think at the time. He said, brother, this took a lot of faith. And I said, yeah, praise God. He said, no, you signed in that note. That took a lot of faith. I never thought about that. So, yeah, you're right. We had to borrow the money, didn't we? Yeah. I don't know if I would have had that faith. Well, he did. He planted a church. He had a lot of faith. But to hear that, I don't know if I had that kind of faith, Mark. I had peace about it. Why? Because God told us what to do. When we bought the building downtown, I think, I thought, I think, I thought we were the craziest people in the world. But our board had peace. Our family had peace. Our staff had peace. I mean, I don't know about that. I mean, I'm not sure. And then it's COVID. I mean, when, who buys a building during COVID? 
who, who redoes the building? But you know, the, that church this morning, I don't think we had enough chairs. And we just added 50 more chairs. It just keeps growing and growing and growing. It, it's just, it's, a, it's, just it's, a, it's incredible to see God move when you have perfect peace. Let's read the rest of the story there, Kurt. And he said, come. Peter says, if it's you, tell me to come. And Jesus says, it's me, come. So Peter got out of the boat. He walked on the water. He came, he came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out loud, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand. He took hold of him and saying, oh, you of little faith, why do you doubt? <laughs> Not, hey, good job, Peter, man. You just took 30 steps on the water. Like you got out of the boat, nobody else did. Like you planted an orphanage in Nicaragua when nobody else did. You, you run an or, uh, orphanage in Haiti, nobody else did. You, you, you grabbed a guitar and drums at 11 when nobody else did. You, you evangelized 200 people by the seventh grade when nobody else did. You got that high-paying job when nobody else did. He says, oh, you have little faith. And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. Verse 33, and those in the boat worship him, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. Now, think about that for a second, because the last one, if you, if you pray, and all of a sudden, you get some passion, and you figure out your purpose, and you have peace in that, the last, the only, the last thing is you, you're going to be, you're, you're going to have power. I mean, God is going to give you power. But I don't want you to miss the miracle of this story. Think about it for a second. Peter says, if it's you, Lord, bid me come. Now, the, way, the winds, just say they're 70 miles an hour like they were the other night. And say the waves are 12, 15, maybe 30 feet high, all right? So we have incredible winds. We have incredible waves. And Peter's like, hey, Jesus, if that's you, because I can't make you out because the weather's so bad. But if that's you, bid me come. And Jesus says, it is I, come. After that, he said, before that, he said, take heart. It's I. If it's you, then come. And so he says, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come. And so he gets out of the boat. He starts walking. And we, we listen, we know this. We know this. That he's, if he falls in the water, he's not grabbing the boat, so he must be far from the boat. So Jesus or Peter's walking, like walking on water, and he walks, walks on water. So is it 30 feet? Is it 50 feet? Is it 500 feet? Is it, is it a football field? We're not sure how far he walked, but he's away from the boat because when he falls, he can't fall and catch the boat. So he's walking on water. Like Peter is walking on water. And sometimes the only thing that we think about Peter is his failure. We don't see the success that this guy actually walked on water. But what happens when we're not in the moment is we start to worry and fear came on him. He became afraid. And this will happen to you sometimes. Like, man, I got money in my bank account, but man, what if there's another depression? Or I'm, I'm going to buy a new house, but man, what if the interest rates go up? Or our, our son, Andrew and Emily, they bought a house, and I said, did you lock in? He said, no, we didn't lock in. I said, why didn't you lock in? Like, I'm all nervous for him. So well, it'll, it'll be all right. Pops, and then in a couple of years, we'll, we'll, if we have to bring the rate down, we'll bring the rate down. I said, I mean, guy's got nerves of steel. I'm locking in. <laughs> Who was his realtor? <laughs> no, it was the mortgage banker's fault. I always blame the mortgage banker, never the realtor. Anyways, it all worked out. It's, it's all good. Peter, in the moment, 
is like, I'm walking on water, but we see the failure. And when you're in the middle of a moment, sometimes the enemy is going to come right at you because he doesn't want to see your successes. And so he's walking to Peter, but don't miss the miracle. Here's the bigger miracle. Is the miracle where Peter walk on water? Is the miracle Jesus walk on water? Is the, Jesus didn't call him the storm. He chooses not to. Where's the miracle at? Where, like, where's the big, here's the big miracle, my opinion. Peter's walking on water. He's away from the boat. He's over here. A fear comes over him. He falls in the water. Jesus, while standing on the water, in the middle of a storm, 70 mile an hour winds, 13, 18, 20 feet waves crashing all over. It's raining, it's just coming down like buckets. He picks up Peter, a 170 pound man. He picks him up, he carries him while walking on water because the Bible says when he got him back in the boat. Have you ever thought about that? I've never thought about that. He, like, he doesn't just get Peter in the boat because the boat's right there. Peter could have reached over in the boat. No, he's been walking on water. He went out to meet Jesus. So he picks him up, throws him, my Mark's interpretation, throws him over the shoulder, gets him back to the boat, sets him down in the boat, and then, then all of a sudden the storm goes. It's like the storm was there for a purpose. It's like sometimes you're going through a storm. Can I say this? That maybe Jesus orchestrated Blasphemy. <laughs> Not really. Because if Jesus, which I believe he was 100%, is, controls everything, why didn't he say, peace be still? What, why, why, why did he let it continue? Why did it all of a sudden stop when he got back in the boat, when he got back to a safe place? We realize sometimes the storms of our life aren't as big as they really are. We realize that once we kind of lose out to self a little bit, that then these storms become a little, and, not, and I don't want to minimize the storm you're going through. Please, please, please accept that. I don't want to minimize the storm because I know people are in storms. But I think the storm here actually brings glory to Jesus because the miracle is that Jesus, like he will you, he did Peter. He picked Peter up in the middle of his storm the middle of his fear, the middle of his perceived failure, and he carried Peter to the boat and he puts him back in, and then everything was calm. And then the rest of the disciples along with Peter said, you truly are the son of God. Well, first of all, he fed 5,000 people earlier that day. Of course he's the son of God. He went through the trauma of his losing his cousin and best friend. Of course he's the son of God. He went through all these things in one day, one 24-hour period. He's experiencing all these things. And we say, well, yeah, but you're the son of God. No, he's all God and he's all man. Stand with me this morning because here's, here's what. I asked the team to sing that, that reckless love. And, and I'll tell you why. It's because I think sometimes if you just read the scripture, it almost seems like Jesus was reckless. But I think in a way he wants us, he wants us to have reckless faith. He wants us to, he wants us to have a faith that is just, man, like nobody else is going to do that. Then we should. Nobody else can do that. Well, then we, we need to. Nobody else is going to go there. Well, let's go. And when we have that type of reckless love, all of a sudden Jesus shows up. And, and Peter maybe was a little bit reckless. I mean, how, how does he know he's going to walk on water? He doesn't even know he's going to walk on water. He just, he's going to Jesus because Jesus said, but come. I don't think he thinks he's walking on water. Maybe he is. I don't know. 
the, the point of this whole thing is that it starts with prayer. Jesus, because he went up and prayed, has this power. I think he had to do things in the human way to, to, to relate to us. So he prays, he gets power. He, he, he has passion, so he gets power. He has purpose, so he gets power. He has peace, so he gets power. All of these ingredients relate to the fact that, and the power wasn't for him. The power was to give glory to God. So, so maybe you're here. Maybe you're here today. He said, "Man, I, I don't want, I don't want you to feel condemned. Like I don't pray enough. No, none of us do. So throw that one out. I'm not passionate enough. Probably none of us are." I express my passion for ice cream probably more than I do my passion for Jesus a lot of times. I'm very passionate for the Lord, but I don't always share that. Maybe you don't, maybe you're struggling with your purpose in life. Well, I think a lot of us over time have struggled. Every time I hit a new decade, I struggle with my purpose. Lord, am I doing what you want me to do? Would you help that void, fill that void? I, that's okay. Every decade of my adulthood, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, I've always sat down with the Lord and I've struggled. Let me be transparent. I have internally struggled. Am I where you want me to be? And Lord, if I'm not, move me. But if I am, give me purpose to be. Give me purpose to be. And then he gives me a peace. Then after that peace, I'll tell you what, you'll have power. Now, power is not going to be worldly power. Power is going to be heavenly power. Is going to be God giving you the authority and the rights to be sons of God. Bow your heads, close your eyes for a second. I'm, I'm not going to ask for a raise of hands. I'm just going to speak to you for a moment. We're going to open the altars here. Until the first service, for some reason, we've gotten away from altar services, and yet that's where the power is a lot of times. But if you just need a place to pray this morning, I want you in just a moment when they when they talk about and sing about the reckless love of God, I want you to come find a place. It does. It's not an admission to anything other than, Lord, I need you in my life. And if you need God in your life, I invite you to come up and pray. I'll be up here. I'll just be praying. Because if you need peace about something, if you need purpose about something, if you need the power of God, if you need, if you need to up your prayer life, whatever you might need today, why not, as the altar's open, why not come find a place? Get away with God. Say, okay, God, here's what I'm struggling with. You don't have to be transparent with anybody but God. Allow the Holy Spirit to work in you and say, hey, what about that time when we used to get together and we would talk more often? Or maybe there's a family member that you're just concerned about. Why don't you pray for them? So I'm going to pray. We're going to sing. Altars are going to be open. I invite you to come. Join me at the altar and ask God, Lord, would you fulfill the purposes of God? Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord, that we have opportunity in a free country to pray. Let us not take that irresponsible. Let us be responsible about that. Increase our passion. Lord, help us with our purpose. And Lord, give us peace and power. We thank you, Father God. We love you. Deal with each and every one of us, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The altars are open. I, I challenge you to come today and find a place.
you so much that he cares. And sometimes, like Pastor said, the miracle isn't in the storm. It's how he took you through the storm. It's how you came out of the storm. So sometimes we just got to receive that. And I just want us to hear that there is no shadow. There is no place. There's nothing that you can do that God doesn't love you, that he just doesn't have his arms open wide and just says, here I am waiting for you to come back to me. I'll bring you through this storm. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. Our heart is that, that you would know the love of the Father, that you would never, ever give up on him because he will never give up on you. So hear that today. Just hear those words. One more time, let's just sing that and receive it. There's no shadow.
hands together for the King of Kings and Lord of Lords in this place. He's worthy of our praises. Amen. You know, as I was listening to this message and thinking about the close, I was just kind of aware that there are a lot of voices um, coming at you even as you listen to this sermon. Uh, powerful message from our pastor. You know, obviously his voice was the one that you were hearing, but at the same time that you were hearing his voice and hearing this message, you were also, I hope and believe and pray, you were hearing, whether you know it or not, you were hearing the voice of the Holy Spirit. God was speaking to you at the same time, and, and maybe as uh, you were thinking about Peter just stepping out of the boat onto the water, God was speaking to you and kind of telling you, hey, step out in this area. Maybe it's stepping out in faith to do something. You know, it's not natural to, to walk on water. Maybe God is asking you to do something that's just not completely normal or or you, it would require the supernatural for you to obey what he's asking you to do. And at the same time, maybe you heard other voices uh, from the background thinking, uh, obviously not audible, but what is my brother going to think about this? You know, Peter's, uh, James and John, like their brothers, they were on the boat. They were, they're, what are my friends, these other disciples, what are they going to say if I step out of this boat in the middle of a storm? What is my mom going to think? My mom would be happy for me. But what is your mom going to think? You know, what? all these other voices playing in. And maybe it's, it's this voice of fear or a voice of shame or a voice of doubt and unbelief. What I want to do right now is I close the service in a word of prayer. I want to pray for you that the voice of God, that the Holy Spirit would just be the loudest voice. That you heard what pastor had to say, but that God would use those words and the scripture and he, he would just illuminate that in your heart so that as you take that step of faith, as you follow him in obedience, and what is obedience for you might be, he might be telling you to stay, he might be telling you to go. Either way, we need to operate in faith and do what he's asked us to do. Amen. And to ignore every lie that the enemy is trying to tell you. When Satan wants to come in and say, you know what, you're not strong enough, you know what, that, that, that requires a supernatural, and that's just not going to happen for you. You just need to stay where it's safe. You need to stay where it's comfortable. But God is saying, you know what, time to step out of the boat. Kind of time to do it. He's with you. Amen? So why don't we just go ahead and, and pray today and ask God to do what only he can do and help you to operate in that supernatural. So, Father, we come, we come before you in the name of Jesus. We thank you for this powerful message. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the voice of our pastor, but also the voice of the Holy Spirit speaking directly to each person here. God, I pray that you would have your way in each person's heart and in each person's life. God, I pray that we speak against every lie that the enemy wants to tell people here to say that they're going to be sick for the rest of their life, to say that they're going to be lost, to say that their loved one's never going to come home. We rebuke those lies in the name of Jesus, and we release the truth of God. We release and activate faith in this place. By your word and by your spirit, we declare that we are walking as children of God in the faith of Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit. God, that no weapon formed us against us can prosper, but we are going to walk in obedience today. Lord, even though it's challenging, even though it's tough, we ask that you would just go before us and do what only you can do, so that in the name of Jesus, all things are possible. Father God, I pray that you'd fill each one of us with your spirit to do what you've called us to do, that you'd go before us today in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. God bless you. We love you. Have a great week. We'll see you Wednesday night. Wednesday night. God bless you. Oh, and don't forget. What, what pause, 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 pause. I forgot something.
So a, a plane crashed into uh, Lake Hickory a few minutes ago. Bunch of people are without power, and um, the road's closed. So why don't we pause real quick? We're gonna pray for that. Papa was like, "Wait, you forgot to announce that." I don't know anything about the pilot. I asked, but I don't. We're, let's just pray for that situation. And uh, if you have to go, but if you just wait, Lord, Lord, uh, I, we pray right now, Lord, that you would just bless this uh, pilot and anybody that might be injured. Pray for a quick and speedy recovery, Lord, that you would just put your angels around this situation. Be with everybody else, God, that's affected by this uh, power outage. Lord, I pray that you would uh, be with them, Lord, and that you would uh, be with us, Lord, as we try to get home and try to get to our places. And I ask that you would just bring your grace and your mercy in this situation. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, Wednesday night, we'll see you. God bless you.